Welcome to the Behavior Groups Podcast. My name is Kurt Nelson. And I'm Tim Houlihan. We usually interview interesting people in order to unlock insights into behavioral science and how we can apply that to work and life. But this is one of our grooving sessions where Kurt and I get to explore in depth a key concept or idea that intrigues us. Kurt, what intrigues us today? I, that we're not interesting people because this... Oh, uh, <laughs> of course we're not interesting people. We, 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 it's about the concepts that... Those concepts are, are interesting. Yes. I got it. I got it. No, so Tim, for this episode, we're going to talk about behavioral priming. And this is going to be a multi-part uh, concept that we're going to be yeah. doing. So M- multiple gonna, episodes. We will just cover a very small portion of it today in this grooving session. But, but Tim, before we start... What? We have a special offer for our listeners. We do? We do. So today, we will be giving away three pairs of Today I Am Smart Priming Socks. We are? We are. So these are fantastic socks. They have a picture of Einstein on them. They say, Today I Am Smart. I wear them when I need myself to be just that little bit smarter in you know a big presentation or talking with other smart people like you. Me too. Well, I, I wear them as well. <laughs> I am guilty as charged. Not today. Not today, um, since not today. it is warm and, and we're doing this in Minnesota in the summertime. Yeah. However, 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 we are going to be giving away three pairs of these socks. Okay. And We're going to randomly select winners from people who post this episode out to their favorite social media account, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and tag behavioral grooves, but also do the hashtag, I want socks. Okay, so let me get this straight. All listeners have to do to be entered into the drawing is to post a link to this episode on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, let us know that they did it by doing the hashtag behavioral grooves or, or connecting to behavioral grooves, right? And then including the hashtag, I want socks. I want socks. Got it. I think that that's pretty straightforward. All right. And so we'll then pick three randomly winners from the people who do that. And uh, they'll be sent out to wherever you are in the world because we have worldwide listeners. Yes, we do. Okay, so we do have, there is a lot to cover on priming, but we're just going to start with uh, some, let's start with the definition. Right. And then some some basic uh, work that was done um, maybe in the 90s. How about that? Right. So the, you know, priming, the concept has been around for a long time. Basically, priming is a technique whereby exposure to one stimulus influences a response to a subsequent stimulus without conscious guidance or in, intention. So in other words... So it could be unconscious. It's subconscious. Subconscious. Uh, yeah, so okay. I, will, I will use that as opposed to unconscious. It's okay. below the conscious level, but can potentially could be uh, thought of. You could, it could come up to the conscious level. Okay. With that, um, let's use an example. So in this case, um, research has shown multiple, multiple times that if I prime you with the term doctor you are much more likely to see nurse as in, in a word search um, than you would bread. Um, and they've done it where different things around the speed. So if I prime you with doctor, um, nurse is seen much faster than if I had primed you with bread in, in different pieces. So again, 
things that are associative. And there's different components of this. There's semantic, there's perceptual, there's associative, um, various different types of priming. And so those are all really interesting components that are very well documented, decades and decades of research on this. Right. The interesting part, and the part where that has in, interested me, is this concept of behavioral priming. And it starts going back 20 years or so um, to John Barg, who did some work on what he called social priming. Uh, and social priming is a concept of applying priming into states of kind of social components. So uh, aspects in regards to potentially stereotypes, potentially into self-esteem components about how you are viewing yourself. And one of his very famous studies uh, was the one where he basically had people do a word search that had and forgive me if it, I'm not sure if it's a word search or a, a sentence completion component. I can't remember off the top of my head. Looked at so many of these, where they were primed for words that uh, were about old people. So it was elderly, Florida, you know, various Retirement, different these. Yes, yeah. those types of things. So people were primed, and they basically it was this idea of spatial components that they thought they were doing. The real research actually happened when they had to turn their their paper in, uh, and they had to turn it in down the hall. And what the real research had was that somebody timed them uh, as they walked down the hall. And so those people who were primed with these old age type words actually walked slower than the control group who did not have those primed words. Yeah. So, so this is fascinating stuff that just the words influence our behavior, how it, fast we walk, right? It, it, and it was groundbreaking. It was groundbreaking to the point where this, this research has been cited over 4,000 times in the literature. It launched a whole branch. People started looking at all sorts of different components around this. And again, all of these uh, research studies were looking at different pieces of, you know, can you prime on, there was priming around, you know, words around professors and different things and how well um, people actually then did on a trivial pursuit game versus a control group. And again, if you were primed with professor words, you were more likely to be uh, answer more questions right in various different pieces. Well, and Bargain Chartrand's work actually took it into, into classrooms where they, they primed students with, you're a very good student or you're very bright. And those students did better. They actually performed better in their classwork than the students who were not primed with those words. And there's there's um, different components on that, right? So there's a self-fulfilling prophecy uh, component around there where you yeah. tell yourself that I am smart, I am good, and even if you don't believe it, this is different than priming specifically, but it, it relates to it. Uh, and again, it shows that you can have that self-fulfilling prophecy. There's also the component, I think, that you were bringing up, which is called the Pygmalion effect. Yes. Um, which, where the research, again, on that was these researchers went into the classroom. They told the teachers that, oh, Johnny and Melissa and, and Philip and Osam all scored super high on this test, which in fact was net 
never done. It was it was a lie. Right. Um, but they then looked over the course of the year and said, at the end of the year, those people who were identified as being smarter, even though they were no different than the rest of the class, actually performed better on standardized performance tests. So they actually improved their IQs. They improved right. uh, a number right. of other components. The very fact of just telling the teacher that these were high potential students did that. That has been also repeated within organizations where people have gone in and said, yeah. these are high potential candidates. Um, and they get treated differently. And they get treated differently yeah. and they get responded to differently. A little bit different than the priming that we are, are talking about here. Um, but with that, I mentioned that the Barg's research had been kind of started this whole thing and a variety of different things. Uh, the elephant in the room, however, is uh, probably around 2012, uh, there started to be this replicability, I can never pronounce that word, I don't know why, um, crisis that has come to a lot of, of the social sciences. Yes. Um, and, and one of the Bar studies... Barg's, Barg's work in particular has been subject to the replication crisis. Yes. And yeah. so the, the replication crisis is basically the fact that there are a number of studies, famous ones like Barg's as well as others, that when other researchers go in and try to replicate the findings, they can't. So, for instance, uh, the the situation, uh, the the study where where uh, the the the, uh, the people in the study are uh, primed with all these words about old age and retirement and that sort of thing, uh, and then and then what the, the actual they're actually being measured on is how fast they walk from from the room. Uh, where they where they got primed to the place where they're going to drop off their right their and so results, right? in the replication studies there was no difference in yeah. in the speed between the control group and the speed of the, the primed the group. primed group yeah which uh, doesn't bode well for the validity of the original now that being said there's lots of different things one of the interesting pieces there was some really interesting replication studies done on Barg's work. Um, and, and this was, uh, it got a lot of press, various different things. It was done um, where it was the plus one, P-L-O-S -L one. Uh, and what they did is they actually did two different studies. Um, one where they replicated uh, Barg's work on that as, as well as they could. But instead of Barg had a person who was using a stopwatch in the in the hallway, they used uh, the laser optical, optical, optical readers, yeah. readers, and so basically did that. When they used the optical readers, there was no difference. However, they did another study, and that study had the person in the replicated Bargs, just like Barg did, with one difference, is they told the person who was in the hallway with the stopwatch what the intent of the study was. In that case, they found that there was an actual difference. And so they raised this concern. The priming effect is real, just who is it real on? It was that actually was, impacting, the priming was actually impacting the person who was conducting the study. The prime was then on the person recording yeah. it. Uh, interesting studies both ways, very, very um, impactful. But I think the bigger piece here is 
not to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Right. And so right. the replication process, there's a, a lot of this work has been led by a gentleman um, uh, by the name of Brian Nosek, uh, who heads up the Open Science Collaboration. Done a lot of this work, and it's really interesting. Uh, I, I, I encourage people to go out and Google him um, and Google some of the podcasts that he's done because he's very articulate he talks about this and he talks about you know some of the reasons why this happens right and some of the reasons that these can't be replicated happen because of of factors around the design of the study and it maybe just wasn't a well-designed study maybe they're measuring something in this in the study that the design doesn't really intend to capture and so Mm -hmm. you get a false you get a false positive right right um or there's a low sample size. Um, and with Which a leads- low sample size, it could just be because it's random. Uh, and you can't necessarily extrapolate it out to the larger audience. For whatever reason, this small sample size had some unique components around it. And you can't translate that to the larger general population. One of the interesting pieces, though, is uh, this concept called p-hacking. Um, that's P dash hacking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, we <laughs> good to clarify. For so the in in psychology, and, and, and what, yeah. What's the what's the focus? So of in this? psychology uh, and in many of any kind of social science research, as well as actually pretty much any other research, uh, P is a measure of statistical significance. And in in psychology, what you're trying to get is get your P level down to P factor down to a less than 0.05, which basically is saying you have less than a 5% chance that this was by random, right? right. And so that right. the, the statistical way of looking at that is saying, yeah, 95% chance that this effect is real. Yeah, that, that, what, that what we're revealing actually is uh, causal. In the, yeah, in, in and this. that it is not um, just by randomness. So right. You still have a 5% chance, right? But that that's usually the the way that, that they look at this. Um, p-hacking is this, this way of, not intentionally often, right, but it is a way of dissecting and cutting the data and bringing different pieces in where you're just trying to find some factor uh, in order for it to be significant. Um, and, and so there's this other component that's called the, the Texas sharpshooter fallacy, right? <laughs> right. I'm, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're going to bring this up. So this it, is a great example. Yeah. And so it's this, this idea, if you took a shotgun and you shot a shotgun from however far away at the side of a barn, right? And then you went over there. there there's a, a splatter pattern. A splatter pattern that if you look at the entire pattern is random. But within that, there are certain clusters, right? You're going to get some of the buckshot that kind of tightly forms around this period uh, or this area over here. And if you, the Texas sharpshooter, the idea was, oh, look at this, and they draw a circle around where the tightest component of that is kind of their target. See how good I was. This is my target. Um, And really what that does is... It, it doesn't take into account the rest of the splatter, and it says these are the only things to look at. And that's kind of what happens in some of this p-hacking component. And uh, if you remember back in the 70s and 80s, there was this whole component about uh, cancer being looked at by electrical uh, 
high wire lines that run through and they said oh yes this it causes this one kind of cancer and that was done by a a a, a Scandinavian research that was doing that. And they basically did this component of saying of this Texas sharpshooter fallacy. Cause they looked at, I think it was 852 different types of cancers uh, with all this data of people living within 300 meters of different things. And just by the sheer number of these, they didn't say, Oh, colon cancer we think is caused by this. They just looked to see if there's any correlation and just by the sheer fact that there's 852, you're more it. likely going to find correlation. Yes. And so that being that, so that could be one of these factors. And, and that happens a lot because in order to get published, researchers need to have statistically significant Absolutely. components. Absolutely. And so they're looking to get these things published. And so there's a publishing component. There's also this publishing component where um, what people look at and research uh, and, and understand is only the research that gets published and not all the experiments that don't meet that 0.5 or just don't have any really interesting things. And so again, biases people around some of the stuff. So that's part of some of this. So let's, let's bring it back to the application side, um, specifically in the business world. Mm -hmm. How are primes being used or where could primes be used? Where could they be used in a way to uh, more effectively manage our day-to-day -day business life? So I think that's a huge topic. That we will not answer right now. <laughs> <laughs> that I think needs to have its whole component. Needless to say, uh, we've talked a little bit about some of some of the studies before the yeah. one uh, that was done by Latham uh, in regards to looking at call center productivity and yes. using pictures of people being in working diligently in a call center on an information sheet versus a woman running through uh, a finish line versus no, no component. And there is significant difference in how those call center people racked performed, yeah. performed yeah. based on just the difference between what picture was shown, which should be, should have no impact in in any type of in a rational performance, way. in a rational way, yeah. and so again, that gives some of those those priming pieces. I think the the thing around this that is important is to understand that while there is all this replicability um, crisis and kind of concern over some of these studies, there are a number of good studies out there that show that this effect is real. Yeah. Um, and there has been meta-analysis, and we'll talk about that probably in the next one too. Uh, meta-analysis is where you look at multitude of studies and you look and commonize some of the components and look to find some of those key things. And uh, there has been uh, meta-analysis that shows that these priming effects are real. Um, but I think it's important to, to, to look at this and to try to understand uh, the research and to not just take any individual study and extrapolate that out to the general world. The uh, body of work is you huge. You have to look at the body of literature that's out yeah. there and look at things like sample size. Look at research design. Are they actually studying something and are they measuring the thing that the, the study design is doing? 
Um, how how big are the effects? That's the that's another thing that that often gets missed, right? Is sometimes these these effects might be significant. In other words, they they pass this component of the ninety five percent the p factor of being less than five, but they're super small. Yeah. Right. So whereas, for instance, with Gary Latham's work uh, uh, on the call center employees. They had that the effect was huge. The effect was huge. Yeah, right. It wasn't a it modest wasn't difference. It wasn't a modest uh, yeah. impact. The other thing is, in looking at some of these replication components, you have to look at uh, there's a changing world, right? And so maybe the dynamics that uh, impacted this before the way people viewed elderly people that that might have that just might have shifted and so we no longer think of elderly people as being slow and so it doesn't prime that for us i i don't know that that's just a thing and then there's just unintended changes in some of these replication components the the replication study might have been flawed right that might have been the one that flawed or there could be confounding effects right there could be these things maybe the room was painted red and red actually primes a different component, and so you then have confounding factors that uh, counter impact each other, or various different things. Or it was cold and instead of hot, or it was at the end of the day versus the beginning of the day. There are a variety of number of confounding factors. Now again, that happens if there's a small effect and all these other things, but they could impact the replication of these. So. They could certainly be compounded. Yes. And, and realistically speaking, we are being primed constantly. We are. All the time. If you think about advertising, advertising to a certain degree is all about priming. It is setting a, a course of action um, for you so that when you go into a store, you pick Kellogg's Raisin Bran over post Raisin Bran because Absolutely. of the way that you have been primed around that. So with that, I think we have covered a lot. Um, and, and we I think have, we have a lot more to cover. Right, right. We need to, we need to talk more about business applications. Yep. We need to talk more about the meta-analysis. And I think that there are some really good studies that we can get into in future episodes as well, specifically on priming. Yes. And we can talk about our own little sock experiment. Which... Hashtag I want socks. <laughs> if you want the Einstein today, I am smart socks. Make sure you uh, send out this to your social media and uh, do the hashtag I want socks and make sure Behavioral Grooves is there so that we know we can find it and uh, you'll be entered into the drawing. So thanks for listening. Bye.